Hey, and I love this church, and I'm happy to have been here for about 15 years. Oh, well, thanks. Um, but they asked me to share briefly about an aspect of my spiritual journey, and it really ties in with um, what Mike mentioned today and what we've sung about of abiding. Abiding is that fancy word that I'm sure Mike will explain far better, but um, I just think of the word rest when I think of abide. You know, I'm sure all these props up here will help us understand in a little bit um, how a branch has to be in the vine. But for me, it means rest. It means that I am not striving against God's plan or pursuing my own plan, but I have listened to his plan and have chosen to follow it. And there's a really, really simple exercise I do each year. It's kind of like just a heart check. And it's one of those exercises where you invest a little bit, but the returns are huge. You know, we all love those kind of investments, right? We're low risk, but high yield. We love those. Well, this is one of those kind of investments. Um, every January, I sit down with a blank piece of paper, and I say, okay, God, show me what you did in 2000-whatever from my former year. So that this year would be 2011 in my year. And I write everything. I write the books I read, the recipes I tried that everybody hated, the ones they liked, I, the successes of my children, what they did, some positive things in my marriage, um, real trials, but the lessons I learned from them, difficulties at work, but how God used me to bring light to that situation, whatever, you name it. We list, 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 list. And at the end of that, then I move into, okay, God, now let's go to 2012. Thank you for 2011. Thank you for all of this that you brought about. Now, what do you want in 2012? And again, I just start listing. And I just make an exhaustive list of all the things that the super-duper superwoman Christian would do, which isn't me, but I list it anyway. Um, I have the disease of perfectionism, and so I have to get it down there. And once it's down there, then I say, okay, God, so I don't succumb to this disease of perfectionism. What one thing trumps everything else? What is the one thing that you want me to focus on? When push comes to shove this year, and I have just a few precious seconds left of my day, and I haven't accomplished this, what do you want me to focus on? And he makes it very, very clear, and that's what I focus on. It is a very simple process of prayer and listing and asking and then surrendering exactly to whatever he has made clear and moving forward. And I don't think there's any magical list you have to go through or um, plan that you have to follow. For me, it really is born out of whatever God is teaching me at the time. So the year that I went to an evangelism class to prepare for the Billy Graham Crusades, I just used the model that they showed us, that if we are a wheel and Christ is the center and we have spokes coming out of our life, the spoke of prayer and word of God and reading the Bible, oh, I already said that, evangelism and memorization, if we have all these spokes which, if one's not functioning, it's not going to roll properly. Well, I don't want my wheel not to roll right, so God, which one needs some help? And he just barely made it clear. Why don't you memorize this this year? This is your favorite passage of Scripture. Why don't you put it to memory? Okay, God, let's do that. So I just make my plan. What am I going to read? If I'm supposed to be reading the Bible this year, what am I going to read this year? And once I make that plan in January, I don't have to wonder every day for the rest of the year what I'm going to read. I already know. Because the plan's already set. And it takes the decision away because the decision's been made. And it's not a stressor every day from then on out. Well, then the following year after that crusade passed was the year our church did 40 days of purpose. Well, that was on my mind, so I took that before the Lord. Now it was a, not a wheel anymore. It was a baseball diamond. So say, God, which one 
which area do you really want me to focus on? And for each one, okay, you know, we're supposed to be growing. Lord, how can I be growing? What do you want me to read? So he said, why don't you just do the Old Testament this year? You know, forget the high goal of reading through the Bible. Just focus on one, honey. It's okay. So I did. I read the Old Testament that year. And how, how should I be, you know, fellowshipping? Well, join a small group. Okay, we did. Um, you know, and there's service and there's outreach. That might have been one of the years I went to some foreign country, but I don't remember which one. So, you know, you just ask God, which one of this baseball diamond, what do I do if I, you know, and, and he gave me the answer and I moved forward. Um, and then this year, oh, when I was having kids, the other, another model that has been really helpful to me is I would pray for my kids how Jesus grew, because Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and favor with men, which totally matches that we should love the Lord our God with all our mind, our heart, our body, and our soul, which means that we are intellectual, emotional, physical, and spiritual people. So I just take those four sections before the Lord, and I say, Good God, which one, or what do you want me to do in each one? So I try to focus on each one because, you know, no one wants to be imbalanced, but then I'm like, which one is the most important that if all else fails, we've accomplished that together? And he makes it clear. And then this year, I just looked at my life in concentric circles. So here's me and God, and that has a lot of issues there. So what are we going to read together? How am I going to fill my life with your word? Am I going to pray? What health issues do you want me focusing on this year, you and me? And then I go to the next circle, which is me and my husband. What can we do together to strengthen our relationship and our influence in the world? And then I go to the next circle. How do you want me influencing my children? How can I be a godly example? And what should I focus in and hone with them so that they can also learn to follow Jesus? Then I go to the next circle, which is my calling. Because to me, my calling is both in the church and outside of the church because that's who he's made me. So how can I serve God both in the workplace and at church based on how he specifically gifted me? And I just go through the circles and ask God which ones he wants me to focus on. And if the answer is clear, focus on this. And I write it down. And then we just surrender it and move forward. It's a very simple process. But to think that just those couple hours in January has such a huge result in how I live every day of 365 days. And I pull out the journal every August and I find my January entry, and I just go for an hour before the Lord. How are we doing, God? Do you, based on what you've done in my life for these last few months, are we re-steering? Do I need to recommit to these things? Do I need to gain some ground back? Do we just need to keep plodding forward? And he makes it very, very clear. And then we just move forward and finish out the year and do it again. So I encourage you to. Let's abide in Christ together. It's a very simple day-by-day process, and this is such a huge reward. I hope you enjoy the benefits as I have. Thank you, Suzanne. Take your Bibles, if you would, and turn to John chapter 15. Also take out your notes. I'm sure you've got those. I know there's a lot in there. I'll explain what the leaf thing is. Some of you are practicing fall because they're falling out of your um, worship folder, but there's a lot of other things. We'll talk to you about those in a minute, but take your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible with you, our wonderful ushers have them in their hands. They are coming down the aisle right now. If you need one, just wave. You can borrow one and take that loaner. Uh, use it today. Leave it when you're done, and if you don't have a Bible, go to the back table. They'll give you one, uh, and so you can go through that. Bible's important to go through, and and uh, uh, especially as we spend time here, spiritual growth, it's vital for the knowing God's Word. So it's good to learn how to navigate through that thing. So, <clears throat> you know, this, uh, uh, this month of January, as uh, Suzanne uh, so wonderfully talked about, is a great time of reflection, isn't it? 
time to look over and evaluate past year and then look on to the next year and God what do you want me to do and how do you want me and and we make some goals or some resolutions and how many of you like Suzanne have already made some goals or resolutions any of you a few of you that's good you know I, st- I still am in process I've been kind of running around like a crazy person for the first few weeks of this month but but uh, I'm anxious to do that. I've been praying, Lord, give me your insight, and, and I need to take that two hours <laughs> somewhere and, and do that. But, you know, we, we seek this time to make a fresh start and to better ourselves. And whether it's to, to lose weight or to, to better relationships or to excel at our career or to, to get one, uh, or maybe to clean out some of the junk in our life, isn't it amazing how much junk we accumulate over the year? You know, and, and we have so much junk, we've got to go pay for storage units to keep our junk. <laughs> and then we get more junk, and we put that stuff in there, and we just keep putting the junk in there. And maybe it's time to clean it out. You know, I, I want to simplify. And, and oh my, have the, have the advertisers bombarded us with their help. You know, 1-800-GET. Yeah, so you, you've been bought into that. It, it, uh, there's billboards everywhere on every bus, 1-800-GET-THIN. Uh, there's, you know, Jenny Craig and... Um, and uh, Weight Watchers, they're singing their stuff, and it's just uh, amazing. We get all kinds of help in that way, and uh, you know, you think that we're an overweight society with all this stuff, right? But uh, um, I just, I don't know, I just start to feel guilty, you know. <laughs> Anyways, but uh, there's there's all kinds of help there, and if you walk into some of the stores, they've got all their organizing helps there, you know, little little uh, containers to organize your junk in and, and stuff like that, and all there to help you. But and these may be good, but is there uh, a help out there to assure us of really improving ourselves? One that regardless of the circumstances, we can still be more like Jesus with. And my answer to you is yes, there is. And that's the whole reason we're doing this uh, spiritual growth emphasis, this campaign to be more like Jesus. Because we know that God has a spiritual transformation strategy. You see, as Christians, our goal and aim is to fulfill God's biblical purposes, regardless of the circumstances that go on in our life. God has called us to fulfill what He's asked us to do in God's Word. And Suzanne mentioned the five that we focus on, uh, that that God's called us to worship. He wants us to to praise Him, to to extol Him, to to lift Him up, to to sing songs and to to say words of of adoration and thanksgiving to God. Not only that, but to live a life where God is at the center, to truly worship Him in spirit and truth. God's also called us to belong to each other, to have Christian fellowship, to be connected to each other. Uh, to, to all the one another's in Scripture, love one another, serve one another, be with one another, encourage one another to love and good deeds. And not only that, God has called us to grow in our faith, that we should be learning more about God constantly and growing deeper and deeper in relationship with Him and how He wants us to live. We are to worship, we are to, to, to grow, we are to fellowship, we are also to serve to be about God's purposes, to, to use the gifts and abilities He's given us and to step forward and, and to, to, to make His will happen inside the church, outside the church, all over. And then lastly, to reach out with the life-changing message of Jesus, to tell other people about Jesus. Uh, that's what God has called us to do. That's what He has. And each one of us, He's given kind of a unique 
angle of that, a unique call to be involved in those things. And we're to seek that out, to figure that out, to try that out. And as Ephesians 2.10 says, it says, We are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are to produce the fruit of good works. And that part of that fruit of good works is to be like Jesus. As you read in the devotional, you'll, you'll read the verse, uh, uh, Romans 8, uh, 29, that says that we are to be continually conformed to the image of Christ. That we're to be like Jesus. And as we talked about earlier, that Paul in, in 1 Peter 2, 21 says that we're to follow in Jesus' steps to, to do what Jesus did and to strive to be more like Him. It's, it's actually loving like Jesus, to, to look at Jesus' life and see how He loved people and then to do the same thing. Uh, back in, if you haven't already done so, write down uh, Matthew chapter 9, read verses 35 to 38 later on, but it talks about Jesus who he went into the, he, he went and he branched out. He went to the, to the villages and the, the areas and he walked around and he went outside of his comfort zone and went to people. And not only that, he went to the, to, the, to the community. The community was centered around the synagogue at that time and he went right there to the center of the community and began to serve his community and to help them. And then he had compassion on them because they were sheep without a shepherd. They were distressed and hassled by the world. And he, thought, he, he sought to, to help them, whatever they're working, whatever they're dealing with and working through. And, and you see story after story of Jesus healing and talking with people and, and spending time with them and, and, and helping the disenfranchised. And Jesus was there. That's the fruit of good works. That's being more like Jesus. It's the helping the widow and the orphan, as James 1.27 says. It's, it's meeting needs and, and <clears throat> being like Jesus as he cared about people. It's being salt and light, as Matthew 5 says. We are to bear that kind of fruit. Now, I, I'm not a farmer, but I have some fruit trees in my backyard, and, and there they are. I have more than that, but this is just the ones I pulled out. I have a grapevine that's in the upper right. It's clipped back now because it's not grape season. <laughs> That's where we're using plastic grapes and stuff on the wall. And those are supposed to be grape vines on the side of the wall. I'll tell you more about that later. That's my kumquat tree. And then that's my orange tree up there. That's, I have an interesting story about the orange tree. I'll tell you about it later. But it wasn't producing any fruit for like a couple of years. And so I, I yelled at it. I said, this is it. One more year or you're out of here. I'm chopping you down. And now there's fruit. <laughs> I don't know, but... Uh, it, anyways, I, so I, um, I, uh, I cut this off my kumquat tree because I, this is just one branch. There are thousands of these little kumquats. But the funny thing is, is that I, I think you're intelligent enough to know this, that uh, will this branch produce any more kumquats? No, why? It's no longer attached to the main plant, right? Because a branch cannot survive outside of the trunk, right? So this, these kumquats are destined to not mature they'll be even more sour than they already are i don't know why we have com- i have a kumquat tree and i don't even know what to do with them but i have so many I, you know i brought a whole bag to church here and no one took them so i i uh and then i had to go buy another kumquat tree to give the illustration because it's the only tree right now that's producing fruit but i wanted to illustrate that we'll, we'll try to keep this alive through the ca- campaign so you can see what happens here but Obviously, these little kumquats need to be attached to the, to the main trunk for them to produce the fruit, right? right. Uh, the, the branch, it, 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 it lives in, it, it is connected to, it abides in the main trunk. 
Well, we're to be that same way with, with Christ. We are to be connected, to, to abide in Christ, and, and regardless of our circumstances, and to keep that connection with Christ strong so that we thrive and we produce the fruit God intends. In John chapter 15, verses 1 to 11, Jesus shows us how to have uh, that connection and how to deepen that connection and how to assure us that we'll grow and improve and be more like Him. He gives us a four-fold action plan to move us closer in relationship to Christ, to truly abide in Him. So I'd like for us to discover that. Before we do, would you mind standing and let's stand for prayer. Father, thank you for the opportunity to come and to, to enter into this uh, uh, spiritual growth emphasis, this campaign. And Father, we pray that you would teach us what you would have us to learn. Lord, you know us. Holy Spirit, you're inside of us. You, you know what we need to learn. I pray this morning that you will give us insight to what that particular one thing or two things or, or more that we need to gain from today, that we can be more like you, Jesus. Help us, we pray in your son's name. Amen. Have a seat. And make sure you take out that outline, fill in the blanks. Like I said, the answers will be up on the screen, and we'll go through this. These four actions to abide in Christ and to be more like Jesus. The first is to extend trust. Take your Bible and open up to, to, to John 15. You're probably already there. And let me read to you. I'll start in verse 4. We'll go back to verse 1 in a moment, but let me read verses 4 to 6. Jesus is, is speaking here, and he says this. Now, I'm reading out of the English Standard Version, the ESV. It's, it's just as good a translation as the NIV or the New American Standard or the King James Version. They're all great translations, but sometimes they translate one word a little differently. The NIV translates this word abide as the word remain in. It's a great translation, but to me it's a little narrow. Abide means so much more, and I'll talk about that in a minute, but, but I'm going to reading you out of the ESV, so don't go buy an ESV because I'm mostly going to preach out of the NIV if you want to kind of be in sync with what we're doing here and be following along, but just so you know, if you're wondering why, it's different. Does that make sense? Okay. I'm trying to go fast because I, I just, for some reason, I, you know, I'm in Japanese time and I just kind of keep wanting to go going. So anyways, uh, um, or I don't even know what time it is. <laughs> but all of a sudden, I'm really tired. Um, <laughs> Jesus is speaking here, verse 4. He says, Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, in him, it is he that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch and withers, and the branches are gathered into the fire and burned. To, be connect, to connect ourselves to God requires us that we extend trust. You see, we have the choice to, to be grafted in or to be attached to the vine or not. And that attachment takes trust, a trust that God's way of life is right. Not the American way, not the current philosophy of the day, uh, nor what we think is right, but the trust in the way of life laid out in God's word. That's the way of life to follow. And sometimes I wonder, is it that we're not growing in faith is because we may have initially trusted Christ as our Savior, but we do we trust Him for every day of our life? See, the nature of the word abide in Greek, the, the original language it was written in, means an all-in commitment. It means to accept and act according to what is required of that commitment. It means to remain in or to rest in that commitment and continue on with it. Now, I saw when I was in Japan uh, just an amazing thing about the believers in Japan. Now, I'm sure not all of them are this way, but the ones 
I talked to and spent time with and heard about their story, they are all in abiding in believers. Uh, they, they won't miss church. Not even if they're sick, unless they're deathly ill. And the reason they wear those masks is not to protect themselves from outside. They're conscious of their own germs, so they wear the mask to hold the disease in. Or not disease, but their, their germs in. But they will come to church unless they're deathly ill. They give. When the Bible says give 10%, they give 10% or more. It's none of this, you know, well, i got to work up to that. They just do it. They serve God. They study their Bible outside of church. They forsake past gods. They are committed. They ask what's important in Christianity, and they do it. They follow it. They actually trust God's word enough to do what it says. You know, that's why I, I love um, going to other cultures and other parts of the world and why I want us as a church to be connected, not just to India, not just to Sri Lanka, not just to, to Cambodia, but to Japan and to other places in the world. Because, you see, we have this tendency to only think about our frame of reference in the world. And we become myopic, and we become uh, this idea that, that uh, faith and God are seen through our American Western eyes. And it really broadens our expanse when we go and see it through a Filipino believer's eyes, through a European believer's eyes, through a Japanese person's eyes. As I looked in the eyes of my Japanese brothers and sisters, I saw an incredible commitment to Christ that is not just an intellectual understanding, but it actually is faith that fleshes itself out into action. You see, uh, this, uh, this trust in Christ starts with initial trust. And, and many of you have made that. You've come to the place in your life where you believe in Jesus as your Savior. You recognize that you're sinful, and the Bible says that. And then you recognize that you need a Savior because you know if you stay in your sinful condition, you can't have a relationship with God, you can't enjoy all the blessings of God, and you won't make it into heaven. Uh, so, so you need to deal with this sin, and you can't deal with it on your own. You learned that, that you need a Savior that's why Jesus came. That's why he died on a cross. He paid the penalty for our sin when he, when he died there. And to understand that or to, to benefit from that, we need to believe. And some of us just had an intellectual understanding of that when we first came to faith. And we thought, okay, I get that. I know that. And yet we never put any action to that. We may have come to church a few times, but that was about it. But yet we learned later on that, that, that Jesus needs to be our Savior, our Lord, and we need to commit our life to live it his way. That's what abiding in means. It means that all in commitment to him. Not, you know, reconnect and connect, disconnect, disconnect. You know, it, it's that one inside connection so we can bear the fruit that God wants us to bear. Because he wants us to bear fruit. He wants us to, to do the good works of the Father. And God will help us. Look at verse 1 now of uh, John 15. Jesus says, I am the vine and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the words that I have spoken to you. Now, once you come to that initial trust and faith, God is at work in your life, the Holy Spirit. God's given you his Holy Spirit. And we'll talk about that more as the, the series goes on. But, but he, he's at work in us. He's training us and he's pruning us. 
And yet, as we read, you know, these few verses and then read all the way down to verse 6, we kind of we kind of wonder, how is that caring for us? He takes away, he prunes, he burns. What's up with that? <laughs> well, look at verse 2 of, uh, of John 15. It says, Every branch in me, Jesus says, that does not bear fruit, he takes it away. Now, that seems like God, you know, what, you know don't bear fruit, you know, cut it off, throw it out. <laughs> That's not what that means. The word takes away literally means lift up. And see, I, I have a grapevine, and, and it's not obviously producing because it's not grape season, but, but uh, as the grapevines grow, they're very brittle. Ever, ever seen how brittle a grapevine is when it first starts out? It can be broken off of the, off of the main trunk, poof, just like that. And if you go, and I've tried to do this, you know, because you want to train the vines, because all the times vines just start growing down, and that's why we have lattices and things to hold up the grapevine, because as it's held up, it's held up to the sun that gets the energy from the sun on those leaves, and then it produces fruit. Because the purpose of the grapevine is not to make big leaves, it's to actually produce grapes. Right? Okay, it's to produce fruit. So the best way to do that is to have the, 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 the vines being lifted up so that it can get the sun and it can, it can produce the fruit it's supposed to. So the vine dresser is not going to just you know, break it off and throw the vine away. That vine could produce more grapes for him. So he wants to lift it up. And, and in ancient times, they didn't have the elaborate lattices that we do here, you know, and the wires that they put the grapevines on. And so they used sticks and stones and they kind of propped them up and they made these grapevines, these, these trunks that went out and then the, we'd wrap the grapevine around it. And so a, a, a vine dresser would see a, a low-lying uh, vine and he would come to that vine and he would gently lift it up, put a rock under it so that it began to start growing up and then come later on and put a bigger rock up at it and, and then another bigger rock and another bigger rock till finally it's up where it should be on the top gaining its fruit see god cares that way about each one of us he is training us and some of the reason you've experienced some of the things you have and the reason you're here is that god wants to train you he wants to 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 help you along so trust him you know if you don't trust a coach and you're on a team you're never going to go anywhere i think about what happened to the 49ers and just amazing how they they've trusted in that coach that coach made all the difference in the world. Turned that team around. We talked about that a few weeks ago. But amazing things happen when you trust in the coach, when you trust in the vine dresser. You know, but then we read things like, uh, like the rest of the verse, every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes it, that it may bear more fruit. Now, I have a, I have a, have a bonsai tree. And so, you know, I get out my, uh, my little uh, Japanese... Uh, headband and I get out my bonsai scissors and I go about my bonsai plant and I you know I look at it and I want to shape it a certain way and I trim this and I trim that and you know when you trim something it's not the plant doesn't like it I I don't know if plants scream but I can picture them going ow ah you know because sometimes when you're training a bonsai plant if you want to kind of go a certain way all of a sudden a renegade branch goes boo you know it starts going out the wrong way and so as a good uh, uh, bonsai master, you know, I get out my little clippers and my, you know, headband, because you need the headband, because <laughs> it makes all the difference in the world. I mean, how can you really do bonsai without a Japanese headband? I, I don't know. So I get out there, and I clip that off. And one thing I've learned, that when you are, wherever I clip on my little bonsai plant, wherever I clip, amazing thing happens. There's new growth. You know, God does that with us. He comes along, and I don't know if he has a special headband that he uses when he uh, 
deals with us, but uh, he takes us and he, he sometimes prunes, and sometimes it's painful. And that job didn't work out the way he wanted it to, and it's gone. That relationship fell apart. Uh, this thing happened, that thing happened, and we are being pruned. Criticism comes. We're being pruned. And God uses that. It's not that he doesn't care, but we need to trust in the bonsai master, you know. Trust in God as he's pruning. And, and, and he will work that out. He will, it says that so that it may produce and bear more fruit. As you read on in verse 6, it, it does talk about burning of branches. And this really has basically two meanings to it. It could be one or the other. One, it could be that the person never really connected to the vine at all. And so it's just simply, it's just simply going to die. And then it's, you know, good for the fire, and that's about it, that, that those who don't connect to Christ, who never come to faith, they will face God's judgment. It's a reality of life. Or it could be the believer whose works are burned up. Write down on your notes somewhere, 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Read the whole chapter. It talks about that there are times that we could do good works for God, produce this fruit for God, and, and go about these things, but go about it with the wrong motives. Say so like, hey, look at me. I'm so cool. I'm serving Jesus. <laughs> yeah, did you notice it was me? Yeah, me, me. I was the one serving Jesus. I was the one that was there. I get the recognition. I, 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 I. And that's really all for me. And we have that tendency that, 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 that one, and when, when that happens, those works are like they're burned up. They're useless. And so it could mean that as well. They are burned because the good work is not done for God, but for selfish gain. But to abide in Christ is that all in trust in Him. Trust in His way, trust in His care. If we do that, we'll be more like Jesus and we'll extend trust. Now here's the next action to be more like Jesus and to move closer and deeper in relationship with Him is to practice prayer. Let, let me read um, uh, verse uh, 7. It says, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done. Take a deep breath in. Go, breathe in. Go. Now exhale. Is breathing important to your life? What happens when you stop breathing? You die. Okay, guess what happens when you stop praying? You spiritually die. Prayer is as important to your spiritual life as breathing is to your physical life. And some, maybe the reason why your growth seems to be stunted is because you're just simply not praying. Prayer is not some complicated thing full of hokey-pokey words. It's simply talking to God. It's the key, and it's vital to our growth. It's the builder of our relationship with God. It's, it's the, the evidence of our faith. You know, I went to Japan to build a relationship with Pastor Yoshida, Yoshida-sensei. <laughs> and, 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 and we did that by talking. Now, he knows more English than I know Japanese. I know like four words. <laughs> But he was understanding, and through Takeshi, we were translating, and we began to build and, and, and are continuing to build a relationship because we're talking together. Well, that's the same way it is with us and God. We talk to him through talk. It's just like talking to another person. You talk to God. Let him know how you're thinking, how you're feeling, what's going on in your life. I mean, sure, he already knows this, but he wants us to talk to him and to express not just a, a list of stuff that we want him to do. Here, God, do this, 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 this. But actually con conversation and communicate. Tell him how you're thinking. Tell him what you're feeling. Talk to him on that level. Praise him. Spend time uh, uh, letting him know how much you love him. Thank him. 
Those are all parts of prayer. We're co- to continually pray, as First Thessalonians 5.17 says, pray without ceasing. We're to, we're to uh, pray like Jesus taught us how to pray in Luke 11, the Lord's Prayer, our Father who art in heaven. We'll talk about that more, more later, but, but prayer actually works. I don't know if you were here two weeks ago when we had the one service, uh, but we had a share time in that service. And right there in the middle of the, of the uh, uh, worship center, um, a young man stood up. His name is Ryan, Ryan Searle, Pete and Linda's son. Now, we've been praying for Ryan for years. Uh, we've had special times of prayer. I know our prayer team has prayed for him, and, and I've prayed for them, and many of you have prayed for Ryan. Ryan struggled with addictions, drug addictions. And it's bad. And uh, he's been in and out of rehab centers. He's been, uh, you know, had some, they've had horrendous things happen at home. And we have just been praying as a church for him over and over again. And to have him stand up in the middle of our church service as we had a time of sharing and to give praise and glory to God was phenomenal. I mean, it was just amazing to see God does that. God does miraculous things like that. And we could list story after story of healing and miraculous things. I I love the prayer of one Japanese pastor, Makito Matsuda. Here was a young pastor who had just kind of gotten this this old church. It's been around for a long time. This old church that had really kind of grown inward and died. It was was about a handful of people, and they're all into themselves, only thinking about how to make life better for them. And they were just thinking about them and this and that and all that. And, 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 and uh, um, uh, Yoshida, um, or excuse me, uh, Matsuda uh, Sensei w- was saying, he just was praying and praying God would do something. And he began to look back at the church's history. And he found that the church's history was really built on those elements of branching out uh, and, uh, and of, uh, of caring about the community and really having compassion for those around. And so, so he was wondering, what happened? And, and what did I inherit? And he just prayed. He got on his face and he prayed and he prayed. And then the tsunami hit and, and then that, that whole changed everything. And, and, you know, his area was, was one of the harder hit areas and, and, and people were, uh, you know, disheveled and there was no water and, and no power. And, and then the church got together and, and you know, he kind of said, what should we do? And then one man um, who kind of been selfish before said, you know, I've got, um, I've got a well on my property that hasn't been affected by the earthquake or the tsunami. And what if we use some of that water and we just as a church just take that water to different houses and go around and, and help them out? What if we do that? And, and, and that all of a sudden just lit a fire in that church, this small little church, just a handful of believers. And they began to see that God had placed them there for a reason. They began to help. And, and again, their church was a distribution center and they began to be used of God. And it was amazing how just they exploded out in loving and caring for their community. They even started some, some uh, businesses so that people could actually earn money because their businesses were totally wiped out by the tsunami. I mean, it's like a wasteland over there. There's m- mountains of debris over there. And just people are still out of work. The government has, has pulled out a little bit. And people still need help. And so the, the Christians are stepping up. And this church just became alive and began. And they're, they're rebuilding a whole fishing village just a, a few kilometers from where they're at. And, and the church is just vibrating and it's growing and people are coming to Christ and it's exciting. And, and this, um, uh, the guy who owns the well, it's just kind of a funny story. Uh, talking about miraculous. Um, his wife's not a believer. And, uh, and, he, and you know, he said to his wife, we need to give this water. And his wife goes, oh, we can't do that. That's our well. And what if we don't have any water left? 
And the, the husband said, you know, even if we don't have any left, we've got to give it. People are dying of thirst. So she relented, and, and, and you know, they were monitoring the well to see how much they had left, and, and they went back to monitor it one day, and, and it wasn't w- at the level it was. It was, it was higher, like, like almost one-third higher. God does miraculous things like that. Now, uh, sometimes, though, when we pray, it doesn't, it's not the answer we wanted. And it's not that God didn't hear us, nor that we didn't use some kind of magic formula words just right. Uh, write down 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Read verses 7 to 12 sometime. It talks about the Apostle Paul. Now, if you think of anybody that had abided in Christ, it would be the Apostle Paul. This guy was super Christian to the max. And yet, he prays. He prays powerfully. He's seen miracles happen. He has performed miracles. And yet, God did not heal him. God said no. Sometimes we don't get what we ask for. Because there is a reason that God has that's deeper than what we can understand. And we have to accept that. We don't get the job. The relationship doesn't work out. We don't get healing. In that, we move to prayer for comfort and for help and to continue to produce fruit regardless of the circumstances. Prayer is not something we know how to do automatically. It takes practice, like learning a new language or, 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 or a skill or a musical instrument. It takes practice. You see, as we extend trust, we move closer to Jesus and become more like him. We're transformed in our thinking. And as we practice prayer, we begin to grow in asking in line with God's will and th- thus fulfill the verse in verse 7. What we ask for, it will be done. It does take practice, so practice prayer, and we'll give you some practical tips, tips as you go along. But when you do that, you will be abiding in Christ and becoming more and more like Jesus, and you will grow in faith. So why not give it a try? Here's the, 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 the third thing. The third action to move us more like Jesus to grow in our relationship with is to choose obedience. Look at verse 8, 8 to 10. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I've loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. Jesus said in John 14, 15, he, says, he said, if you love me, you will obey my commands. That's the evidence of our faith. A lawyer asked Jesus, uh, you can write this verse down too, Matthew 22, verse 36 to 40. Jesus was asked by a lawyer, what are the most important things to do to follow God? What, should I, what do I need to obey? What commands do I need to obey to follow God? Jesus, in those verses, said more than two things, but the two things I want to point out, he said, it is to love God and to love others. And how we love God is by obeying his word. Like, for instance, when God says, develop the fruit of the Spirit in your life. Go after the fruit of the Spirit. Grow the fruit of the Spirit in your life, as Galatians 5, 22 and 23 says. And how we grow those fruit is that God is, when we come to Christ, those, He has implanted those seeds in us, and now we need to cultivate the soil, water it, and work it out, and practice it, and that's how those 
character traits become character traits. So, you know, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. How we become more self-controlled is by practicing self-control, like saying no to some things, having some discipline in our life, having some self-control. As we practice that, it becomes a character trait. If you want to be faithful, practice being faithful. If you want to be kind, practice being kind and gentle and so forth. All of those things, we practice them. If we want to love God, it's obey His Word. And then we're also to love others, to be good citizens, to care about others, to help those in need, and to love. I, I, I could tell you stories all day long about what's happening over in Japan and, and especially this little village called Ishinomaki. Um, it, it's a village that was just completely devastated. I mean, houses ripped off their foundations and just kind of you know, crunched up like a bunch of matchsticks and and uh, people are just disillusioned. They're wandering the streets, not knowing what to do. None of them can, there's no one to help them. They're just simply wandering. And some missionaries heard about this. They're, they're down in Osaka area or in, 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 in southern Japan. And they, they came up to this village in Ishinomashiki and, and uh, began to start working in there. And they, they didn't, you know, start sharing Jesus with them, you know, handing out gospel tracts or, you know, having a Bible study or even pulling them together for prayer. They just simply loved them in practical ways. So they had a barbecue. They just served chicken and hot dogs. It's the first hot meal they had had in a month. And they just started talking to people and spending time with them and, and, and helping, you know, if they needed water, they got them water. If they needed food, they got them food. If they needed blankets, they got them blankets. Or if they just needed someone to talk to. Because when you go through a traumatic experience like that, you need someone just to talk to. And they would sit in their homes and just talk to them. And, and not once did they try to share Jesus, uh, go through the plan of salvation with them. Not once. They just wanted to love them in practical ways. And sooner or later, people started asking, why are you doing this? And they found out that they are Christ followers. They're Jesus followers. And pretty soon, that story I told a couple months ago, uh, a month ago, where I talked about how, how the Japanese believers were saying, hey, Jesus is coming. Jesus is giving us a barbecue. That was that village. Now, hopefully I can share with you the, the, the testimony that's of, the, of that one missionary. You can just see the tears welling up in his eyes, how Christ is doing a miraculous thing there. And people are asking why. This, this one gentleman comes into this missionary's house and says, you got to tell me about Jesus. And the missionary goes, what are you talking about? He goes, well, I had a dream last night, and the dream told me to go see you, and that you're going to tell me about Jesus. <laughs> so he tells him about Jesus, and the guy comes to Christ. God does it. And I don't know if you know that... It, Hardly, you know, people don't come to Christ easy in Japan. It's a hard mission field. I mean, a ch I don't know if I said this before, but the church um, there, it, it seems, it, it's, a good, it's a good thing if a, a church in Japan, a Christian church in Japan, is seeing one convert a year. That's a good year. People are coming to, to Christ like crazy over there because their missionaries and, and other Christians there are loving them like Jesus. Now, I wonder if what would happen here if we were to do more of that? What would happen here if we really were truly to love our neighbors like Jesus? I, I believe they would see our care and they would ask why. Uh, sometimes, write down Acts 17 and just read it later. But in there, Paul talks about how God has placed us, sovereignly placed us in the the place where we live so that when people reach out, really grope out for God, we're there and we're ready to tell them. God has placed you in where you are just for that reason. 
It's one of the fruits he expects from your abiding in him. You see, God loves us deeply and desires for each of us to abide in that love. And we do that through obedience. So obey his word. Love God. Love others. And next year will be, this year will be amazing. To abide in Christ, to extend, extend trust, to practice prayer, to choose obedience, and lastly, to experience joy. Look at the last verse. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you, that your joy may be full. Joy is both a choice and a result of extending trust, practicing prayer, and choosing obedience. It's linked to obedience in the choice to follow God's way of life with gladness. So that's a choice. You can follow it grumpily. Man, we got to do this God thing. Or you can follow, hey, I got to do this God thing. It's a choice. It's not just because you're more positive than the other one. That is a choice. So choose gladness. Choose the joy uh, um, of the delight of being connected with God, regardless of the circumstances. It's the gladness that God is working out his plan. It's the satisfaction that God's grace is sufficient. It's the pleasure of knowing the promise of heaven, that it is closer and that a greater and deeper connection with Christ is coming. This is not as good as it gets. It gets better. You see, it's like the, like the hardworking farmer. There is joy in the harvest. It's like the hard work of learning a musical instrument, the joy of, of the ability of making joyful sounds. It's like the experience of, a, of, of, work, of, a work, uh, of working in a friendship or a marriage and the, the joy of the depth of connection. So look beyond your circumstances to the joy. And yes, deal with the present pain and deal with the emotional or physical issues, but choose joy. Joy that God is with you, and this is not forever. The circumstance you're in. Do that and you'll be abiding in Christ and be, uh, being more like Jesus. God's deep desire is for each of us to grow in faith and to be more like Jesus. The question is, will you? One way is to abide in Him by extending trust, by practicing prayer, by choosing to obey, and by experiencing joy. Do that and you will have, and you'll be more like Christ and have a fantastic year. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word, the truth that's there. Thank you that we can enjoy time of learning. And Father, I pray this would be more than just simply a, a couple of uh, minutes that we've spent, but that this will actually be something that will transform our lives as we spend time with you. So Father, help us. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. We have a time in our service that we uh, have to pray, and we call it our garden of prayer.